welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner at Hugh James, who heads up the abuse team. And I'm joined by my colleague, Danielle Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. And it gives us great pleasure to have on this podcast, Nick Gazard. Hi, Nick. Hi, both of you. Nick is joining us because Danny had the idea of having Nick on to talk about the work he does and the trust that is named after his late daughter, the Holly Gazard Trust. So that is what we're going to be discussing in this podcast, and it's great to have Nick along with us. So I'm going to hand over to Danny. So over to you, Danny. Hi, Nick. So, yeah, we wanted to have a quick chat about how the trust was founded, really, and, and your aims from the Holly Gazard Trust. OK, thank you. Thank you very much. I think if I go back to the beginning, um, back in 2013, uh, Holly, want, she, she was a fully qualified hairdresser, but she wanted to travel. And so we suggested she goes on the cruise ships. So she got a, a place with Steiner. She went to London to train and she was going away on a nine month contract. While she was waiting to go to London, she worked in a bar and she unfortunately met a chap called Asher Maslin. And what Holly didn't know at that stage was that not only would he dominate the next 12 months of her life, but he would brutally end it. She went to London to train to go on this cruise ship, but unfortunately, Maslin followed her to London. And after five weeks, she, she sailed away. But we think he bombarded her with text and FaceTime and calls. You know, it was a very, he was a very, very persistent individual, like most of these perpetrators are. And I think that unsettled her. She's only 19 years of age at that stage. And as a result of that, she came back from the cruise ship. She loved that London lifestyle, that fast-paced passion she had for fashion. So she got a job in London as a stylist. Unfortunately, again, Maslin went to London, followed her, and built up a relationship with her. And after a couple of months, Holly telephoned me and said, Dad, I want to come home back to Gloucester. Can you, can you come and get me, please? I didn't know what it was at the time, but we found out afterwards that Maslin had physically assaulted her whilst they were at one of the carnivals. When she got back to Gloucester, she got a job with a local salon and she was really trying to, to get rid of Maslin. But he, he was one of those persistent people who wouldn't let go. And it took until the February of the following year before he got the message. You know, she took him to a public place. She told him in no uncertain terms that, you know, everything was over. She wanted nothing to do with him. And then three days later, uh, he walked into the salon where Holly worked and he stabbed her to death. And she, she was only 20 years of age. To us, that came totally out of the blue. You know, we didn't pick up of any of the warden signs. You know, she was in London a lot. So he isolated her there. When she got back, you know, we saw a few things, but you know, we had no knowledge of abuse. We had no knowledge of stalking or domestic abuse. So we really didn't pick up on those on those signals. And a lot of them were very subtle. So when Holly was murdered and I thought, well, she was too good just to let go as an individual. You know, she had a, a real business mind. She had a, a real 
social circle of friends. She was a socialite. And that was just too good just to let go. So I, I, I decided that I wanted to make something positive come out of the tragedy of losing Holly uh, and set up the Holly Gazard Trust with the intention of trying to help other individuals who are in Holly's situation and parents not go through what we go through and not lose their lives like Holly. So we, we, we set up the trust, really try and fill some of those gaps that are around and as charities often do. So, you know, we wanted to provide some bursaries for young hairdressers who perhaps couldn't have the financial clout to, to go to college and, and take on those careers. And we sent a lot of people through college recently in the last, last six years. We create a lot of training sessions and workshops now which are accredited tackling the subjects of abuse and stalking, which, as you know, they're, they're not easy subjects to deliver or for people to, to take on board. They're not very palatable, but having been through what I've been through, I'm, I'm, I'm very open about it. And, you know, people ask me questions about Holly all the time. And I'm happy to deliver that because I love talking about Holly. And if that can help other people, then, you know, we were helping to achieve our aim and keeping Holly's legacy alive. We also have a personal safety app. You know, I'm, I'm quite keen on trying to protect people, you know, we're all about prevention, education and awareness. You know, if we can prevent these things happening through that awareness and the education, then we'll stop a lot of people going through what Holly went through and we are going through. So we created the Holly Guard app, which now has 150,000 people using it. Um, and we relaunched it in April of last year with some additional functionality, which now has a 24-hour monitoring service, which is a pay-for service. You know, the basic app is free, but there's this enhanced level of monitoring that those individuals that want that extra bit of safety can, can pay for on a monthly or an annual basis. And we've also got a, a business version of this now, which we can go to businesses and say, hey, do you want to keep your staff safe? You know, this is an app that can do that. You know, you can download it to your own smartphones. So there's no need to have a, another device and there's lots of functionality, and we can talk a little bit about the functionality a bit later if you like. Um, so, you know, we're rolling out that app as well. We're working with the Domestic Abuse Commissioner with 15 police forces at the moment and also the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners. So we're really trying to get this app up and running now across as many people as we can, particularly with the, the new domestic abuse bill coming in this year which will put a lot of onus on, you know, local authorities and police forces to have that data, you know, and what the app can do is it can actually give you that data that's required. You know, I'm working at the moment with, with one of the, the Crown prosecutors for one of the areas about the admissibility of the evidence that we can pull off of Hollyguard, which is very, very interesting. And they're very happy with the evidence. So they're going to go to the, the national head office now to try and get that policy across all police forces so that they can start to use this, this evidence in court cases. So, you know, it's gone way beyond where I thought it would occur when I set up the, the charity. But as these things do, when, when you've got something which is, is working and working well, people want it, you know. So we try and put as much as we can out there on the social media platforms and also through our website. You know, we recently put up a, a family and friends policy. And it's a 30 page document which can help you if you can identify in your friends or your family or your work colleagues, you know, what is happening to them and what you can do about it. So a vast array of things that we now deliver and it keeps growing and growing and growing. 
So there, well, there's a, that's that's a nutshell. <laughs> go on, go big nutshell, Struth. I've got some questions, but I'll let Danny go first. Yeah, I've looked at some of your policies, and obviously any of our listeners can have a look at them. They're all on your website. Your website's really clear, so really user friendly. If anyone wants to have a look at the workplace ones and the family ones, but I first of all just wanted to have a chat about the app. So I had a look at it. And so as a user, I would download it. And then my understanding is I would select some safety contacts. So people that I would want to know alerted if, if something was wrong. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's, you know, what we wanted to do is to make the app, like our website, very user friendly and really self-explanatory. So the premise on which the app works is you can download it to any smartphone, both Android and, and iPhone, it takes two minutes to download. And then you set up your emergency contacts, and these are the people that you would like to know if you were in danger. And to activate the alert, all you need to do is either shake your phone or you hold the tile icon down on your phone. And what that does is it sends an alert to your emergency contact. First of all, it sends them a text which says you might be in trouble. It also sends them a link by text and email, which they can click on the link and they can go, it takes them to a page whereby they can see exactly what's happening because it starts to record voice and video once the alert is sent. And all that information is not held on the phone, it's held in your account in the server in the cloud. So even if someone stole the phone, there's nothing on there, they can't see anything. So for a safety angle, you know, there's no information there that they can get out. So, you know, you can send as many alerts as you like and, and they will build up in your in your user account. So if you we need to use them in a potential court case, yeah, we can do or you can do because it's your data. So a bit of ignorance on my part here. Let's say you've got this and you're jogging down the road, having your morning jog or whatever. Might you not inadvertently set it off? Because you say you have, to, you know, you shake the thing and I'm just sort of yep. thinking, well, When's a shake, not a shake? <laughs> yeah, very interesting question. I get asked that lots. And there's a couple of answers to that, Alan. I'll go through the first one. The app will only operate if you activate the app. So like any app, you have to switch on the icon. When, oh, let's say you're leaving the house at night and you want a bit of safety. You, you just click on the app and it starts running in the background. Yeah. Then right. if you shake it or you hold the tile down, it will send that alert. But you can control the sensitivity of how long you have to shake it for and how hard you have to shake it for to create that alert. But it also has another bit of functionality in there, which a lot of people use whilst jogging or running, as you say, whereby as long as the app and the phone is moving, it's happy. Once you stop moving and you set the period of time, let's say two minutes, once you stop for two minutes, it will automatically send that alert. And the reason why we got that is, is because a lot of people go out jogging and we had one lady who said, I use it when I go out jogging because I feel safer. I'm on my own. I fell. I hit my head. I couldn't move. But because I had Holyguard on, it picked up that the phone was now motionless and it automatically sent the alert to my partner. He could see what was happening because he clicked on the link. He saw I was in trouble. It gives you all the coordinates of where the and a map of where the individual is. He got the ambulance out. The ambulance came took her into hospital she was just about to go into a diabetic coma because she was she was a diabetic so yeah. she said polyguard saved my life and that, that's just one example of of how you can use it so there are many many different ways and different functionality that the app has right now understood it's good to hear already the success stories of the app because 
I don't know, maybe it's just my knowledge, but I hadn't heard of anything similar to it. And I think there, there are many, many situations where this app, you know, whether it's your children walking home from school in a winter night, you know, you're out with friends. There's been numerous times where my friends have gotten a taxi and I've said, let me know you've got home okay. And, you know, they've been drunk and they've forgotten or or whatever. So I imagine that this sort of situation could help so many people. Absolutely. There's, you know, some, someone again contacted us and say, you know, I use it. I, you know, I've, I've got a mental illness and I often forget where I am. You know, and she was only in the mid thirties, this, this lady. And she said, so I, if I go shopping and I suddenly have this issue and I don't know where I am, all I do is shake my phone and my, my partner knows where I am and he comes and picks me up. So she said, it's brilliant for me because with my condition, I've got something there which can alert the person that I need to be alerted. So it has a lot of uses. And as you say, school children, a lot of people use it from getting to and from school. It has a journey function, which says that you can set the beginning, the end of the journey, and it sends the map to your emergency contact. They can see where you are along that journey. When it gets to the end, it sends them a message to say you've arrived safely. It's got a, a meetings function where you can set the time of a meeting. You know, if you, if you take the case of Susie Lamplew, who went to, to meet Mr. Kipper, they didn't know where because it wasn't in her diary and she never returned. If you set this meeting up, all the coordinates and the maps are there. And if, let's say, you set the meeting to end at three o'clock, three o'clock, sorry, if you were under duress and you couldn't do anything and three o'clock came, it would automatically send that alert to your emergency contacts they know where you are and you're potentially in trouble so it has lots of different sort of uses and, and functionality that you can use you know we recently in, in the latest version we put a reporting feature in there because as you know if you're going to take a case to court what the police will ask you for is where is your evidence and what you can do with the reporting feature is you can let's say i'll give an example it's easier to do it that way let's say i'm being stalked an individual and i want to actually create now a list of all the times that I'm being stalked, and I can see the person outside, all I need to do is to click on the reporting feature, click on stalking, take a picture, write in, he's outside now, press send. What that does is it date stamps it, it geotags it, and it sends that, that record to your account in the cloud. And each one of those records that you send, it, it's starting to build up now that list of evidence that you can then send to the police at any, any time that the police request it or, the, if, or if the police request it themselves, we can give that to them. So we're now starting to build that evidence that people can use because if you do log evidence when it happens there and then and not wait till you get home because you forget when you get home or you, you don't bother doing it, you get a, a, a certainly a, a real string of evidence that can now be used for potential court cases. So, you know, there's another feature which's been brought in. Excellent burning question on my mind is what do you say to us about trying to prevent these situations arising in the first place because obviously you have all the tragic reasons considerable insight and dealing with the horrific consequences is is one thing but I'm sort of thinking well what insights have you got that you can teach us to look out for and think about to prevent such tragedies in the future? I think it's a big part of what we do there, Alan, in the sense of raising that awareness, educating to prevent. And to me, it's all about knowledge. 
And they say knowledge is powerful. Well, it is if you can use it and use it in the right way. So what we do, and you see this from the family and friends pack on our website, is we try and part that knowledge of what I've learned, certainly, to other people. For example, I deliver a session on healthy relationships, and that session we deliver to school children via workshops or by training, depending on the situation. What that does is it, it gives them all the information about what is respect, what to look out for when a relationship's going wrong, what are the signs, how you can pick them up, what are the subtleties, and what you can do about it, who you can talk to, you know, what you must say, what you must, what you shouldn't really say. So pointing them in the right direction. So trying to forewarn them and trying to pick up these issues. But I also deliver the same session to parents. And sometimes, like last week, I delivered it to a group of foster parents. And it was all about how can you pick up on when your teenager's relationship is not going in the right direction? Because they won't tell you, but Mm. there are many signs that you can pick up on and you can start to ask the right questions. So I did an hour's training session with them and they came back and said, absolutely fantastic. You know, and now I've got to deliver it to three more different sets in the county Mm. of foster parents for for the, um, the council because they found it so interesting. So it's all about arming individuals with the the knowledge to be able to pick up on the signs that something's not right and then ask the right questions. You know, one thing on on its own might not mean anything, but when you start to put two or three together and that creates that pattern, it might be telling you that something's not quite right. Ask the right questions and point the individuals, whether it's parents, whether it's school children or, or other individuals, into the right directions, the right professionals to get that right help. And I would say, once you identify that something's not quite right, seek the guidance and directions of the the professionals in in this arena, you know, whether it's abuse, whether it's stalking, or whether it's harassment, you know, because there are lots of people out there who can give the right kind of direction and advice. That's not what we're about. We're about trying to highlight it in the first place to pick up the signs. Mm, Exactly. No, very good. Very interesting. Okay, back to you, Danny. If anybody is listening to this, whether it be a school or university or even a business and wants to get in touch, that they can, I presume, get in touch with you in respect of talks? Absolutely. You know, all the information is on our website, polyguard.org. On one of the tabs, it says training, I think, and you can click on that and it gives you all the training programs that we do offer and they can contact us and, and we can talk to them about what, what needs to be delivered. So, yes, they contact us by the website. Excellent. Well, I found that extremely interesting. Certainly, I was unaware of your trust and the app and so on. So I, I found it really interesting. And I'm sure our podcast listeners would be interested too. So thank you very much, Nick. Much appreciated. Any other thoughts or questions, Danny, on at your end? Oh, I don't think so. Not for me. Is there anything else that you would like to add, Nick, for any of our listeners? I would just like to to, to finish by saying, you know, if you are going through any of these issues, please don't think that it's you. It's not your fault. But please recognise that what you're going through is not usual and seek the right kind of advice. So, you know, there are the 24 hour numbers nationally that you can ring. You can do that in, in confidence or there are local agencies that you can ring you know, depending on where you are, and those are often funded by the county council. But please seek advice from the professionals, because if Holly had done that, and if we had identified what was happening, I truly believe that we could have saved her life. And that's how important it is. So please speak up. On that profound note, thank you very much, Nick. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, listeners. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.